We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the Ravens currently have about $3.5 million in cap space, Bobby. And I'm telling you, that's just not going to cut it with the number of needs that they need to address this offseason. All right. So with that in mind, let's talk about nine different avenues to creating the money that they're badly going to need to keep names like Justin Matabike in town, sign some draft picks up in April, and also hopefully some free agents this offseason as well. It's all going to be needed. I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Tuesday, February 13th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, presented by our newest brand sponsor, Manta Sleep. So, during a Patrick Mahomes post-game Super Bowl speech, we noticed a massive difference in how he approaches being the underdog versus how Lamar Jackson does in Baltimore. So, we're going to wonder... Is there any significance to how they approach the game? And Bobby, one of your tweets went viral about one Travis Kelsey after the game. We'll chat about that. And then we've also got to talk about some coach, uh, some coaching staff nuggets that some of you may have missed during a jam-packed Super Bowl week. Yep, we've got all that more coming up. Good to be back in Morning Vault form. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault. Where do you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes? So, NFL free agency and the new league year is still a month away, but good news for us and good news for Russell Street Report, Brian McFarland is at our arsenal. This guy is as good as it gets. We've had him on the show before, Raven salary cap analyst, and I know you wanted to kind of dive into some different avenues, as you heard there in the intro, for how they're going to plan to potentially keep some key pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, listen, throughout the offseason, there's a ton of moving pieces. The salary cap is wildly moves up and down as things go along. But uh, two days now after the Super Bowl, uh, the reality is the Ravens have $3.627 million under the cap. And uh, to put that in perspective, Bobby, if the Ravens were going to franchise tag Justin Matabike, let's just start with that. Yeah. Um, that deadline is March 5th. So there's some, it, it, you're allowed too much earlier than that uh, later in February, but the deadline to do it is March 5th and the franchise tender for a defensive tackle. It looks like it's going to be close to 20 million. <laughs> okay. So obviously the Ravens are going to have to try to figure out how to sign him. 
long term so they wouldn't have to take on 20 million right away but he's still going to be hefty one way or the other so that's just one guy 20 million ravens have three about three and a half so look this happens every year they don't have a ton they're going to have ways to open up salary cap space and that's what we're going to look at today courtesy of um Brian McFarland over at Russell Street Report. So let's bring this up here. He takes a look at um, several different players where um, it looks like their salary and their contracts in 2024 can be played with in one of many ways. Okay, you can do um, trades or releases. And remember, when there's a trade, trades or trade is the same as a release. That you have the same dead cap ramifications. Okay. So trade release, you've also got, you could do extensions. Uh, by doing extensions, you can bring down a present cap hit, or you can do straight up, um, reach, you could do straight up pay cuts. We'll talk about who might fit into that category because it's like, it may not make sense to restructure them. Um, and it may not make sense to cut them, but they should just take a pay cut. And then there are restructures, which helps now, but just kicks the can down the road. So we'll take a look at a few of these guys. Um, what Brian McFarland has done, if you're on the YouTube stream, is he's kind of got this in alphabetical order. He has um, nine different players that um, potentially could be a place where you create money in, with one of these four categories that I just talked about. So... Um, I'll start with, and I won't go in alphabetical order. I'm going to try to do these in chunks of where, um, there's like a release trade or something like that. So to me, where we're going to look for a potential release, okay, would be probably the easiest one is Tyus Bowser. So we'll look at Tyus Bowser, Morgan Moses, and OBJ. Okay. So Tyus Bowser, who ended up never playing with the mysterious knee injury, Bobby, and if the Ravens were to cut him, it would only be $2 million in dead money. His cap number is 7.5, so the net would be $5.5 million in cap space. That's hands down a place to me. That's, that's a guy you have to cut, especially if you don't know where he is going forward. And look um, what you got like late summer, right? Late summer, <laughs> you make decisions kind of last minute in a sense, bringing in Clowney and then Van Noy in season. And you don't skip a beat. Matter right. of fact, you actually you upgrade. <laughs> Both of those guys had career years, and we haven't even mentioned a guy like Adafi Owe, who, when healthy, is also trending in the right direction. So, you know, their, their linebacker room trudged forward as if nothing ever happened. Right, and so like, yeah, because you never relied on him anyway. Now, it might be a little unrealistic. I never got a chance to say this, but we try to get um, Kevin or Kyle Vanoy. Uh, on the show, but they were in a, in a rush. So we, I walked with Kyle Van Noy while he was heading to a few of his different events. And I asked him, I was like, are you right? Yeah. And I was like, are you going to come back? And then he was like, eh. he's like, I would love to. He's like, but EDC, <laughs> he's going to have to pony up because he got me for a bargain last year. You know what I mean? So I don't know. We can bank again on funding a, a Kyle Van Noy and a Jadavian Clowney to where they put up I think it combined something like 19 sacks or something close to that between them for as cheap as the Ravens did. So we can't like get all cocky to do that. But to your point, usually they seem to be able to find veterans late in the year for, you know, that 5.5 could go elsewhere. So then there's OBJ. Now this one, um, 
This one's tough because remember he just did his contract restructure. So the void years don't all come in 2024. If they end up not re-signing him, they use those void years in order to uh, save room in case they needed to uh, stay, you know, push off any other teams if they were going to put an, uh, a, a um, offer in for Lamar Jackson. So um, if they end up not re-signing him when the deadline hits, uh, they could do a post one cut. Okay. Now remember, if you post do June a post, one, right. yeah, post June one cut, and if even if you do that in March, okay, you don't see the savings until June. So even so, that's the reality of it. So you you're not going to have all this extra money in the first wave of free agency. More than anything, you'd have that money come June, which again, there's plenty of signings that can ha happen there. But if the Ravens use a post June one cut, then his dead money in 2024 would only be $2.8 million. But then you're pushing a boatload to 2025 with $8.3 million. You could also re-sign him, but he's probably going to want, he's probably going to have even a bigger, he's going to for sure going to have a bigger cap number in 2024 than what's presently on there, which is basically $4 million. Because if you re-sign him, you're not getting him less than $4 million. Uh, and it would probably be a one-year deal. So my guess is, is that he won't be re-signed. My guess is they will use a post-June 1 savings. I could be wrong, but then it's not terrible dead money in 2024, but then they'd really have to deal with it in 2025. Uh, the last one I would say, let me see. Can you take us off so I can see Morgan Moses here? Morgan Moses, this might be a little bit dependent on what happens with Ronnie Stanley if you want to entertain him being cut. I don't think that's going to happen, but it, it is here. Morgan Moses, right now, he counts as basically $7 million against the cap, which isn't terrible if you're getting a starting right tackle for the whole year, which is almost what he did. Uh, but, I mean, there was a lot of rotation there. Meanwhile, if you cut him, that's basically only one and a half in dead money and another five and a half in savings. So to me, that looks like a pretty decent spot to find cap savings, but you better feel good about Daniel Falele or what else you could get in the draft or um, another free agent signing. So the Ravens are going to have to weigh that out. So those are three that I think are pretty legit cut candidates unless you look through this list and see any others, Bobby. No, those, those make sense to me. I mean, I just don't see... A situation where, like you said, right, you, you just can't cut Ronnie Stanley. You know, like 18, it just doesn't make any sense. Eighteen million then, post June one, and then it's still eleven million, and then six million. It just—I don't think you can do it. Right, and that was the harsh reality of of the deal that he signed at, at the time of the signing. Well, at the time, he was an All Pro left tackle coming off a historic season. Yeah, I thought Jo. We had a great conversation with Jonathan Ogden about Ronnie that we're definitely going to dive into in, in the coming days. And it, it seems like there was a consensus. I don't know. I don't want to speak, put words in J.O.'s mouth, but like you go and draft that, that future replacement at left tackle this April and you give him a learning year under Ronnie, mm -hmm. right? And like Ronnie can stay healthy. That to me seems like it's the best possible situation for the Ravens and for Ronnie, right? Because then he'll have, he'll have a chance to continue to play for his future beyond his current contract in Baltimore. He'll serve a role for Baltimore next year and then hopefully also kind of mentor and give this young rookie a chance to kind of learn underneath him because, as J.O. told us, 
he is like he's a man of his craft. Like Ronnie is Ronnie's super talented. He just hasn't been available, unfortunately. Enough uh, available. Right, enough. I agree with that. I mean, Jay also mentioned that a, a drafted future left tackle could play guard like he did. A Hall of Famer played guard in his in his rookie year. Now, I like everything you're saying there, but I would like to add one thing. Out of everybody on this list, to me, it's Ronnie Stanley who should take a straight up pay cut, not a restructure. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He can. Do, he's got a contract, and he can say nope. Not going to take a pay cut um, and force you guys to either cut me or keep me under my current contract. But to me, with him getting hurt pretty much the week after he signed that massive deal, and he's been massively injured ever since, and they've, you know, they've done, obviously they weren't going to be able to cut him. To me, he would be somebody I would approach to say, hey, we got to do a straight up pay cut. Not a restructure, mm. but a pay cut. Um, yeah. So he's $26 million on the cap. Unless he played all 17 games, that is not a cap number you want to see, and he would have to be all pro level. So uh, to me, that's who you approach for that. Um, Before we continue this conversation, Sarah, let's mm -hmm. tell everybody about our newest brand sponsor. Like you heard at the top, it's our friends at Manta Sleep, and this is the go-to sleep mask for me. I know your kids are a huge fan, having caught up with you uh, in <laughs> Vegas about this. But uh, They've stolen all my masks, Bobby. <laughs> yeah? Is that right? I love it. I love it. Who, who's, who was the main culprit that was like, I got Look, two I'm, I'm main off. ones. Uh, yeah. Aiden, who's my 12-year-old boy, he took the one that has built-in audio. Okay, because he likes to listen to <laughs> books on tape before he goes to sleep. So we've got it hooked up to a an Audible account. So he listens to to, to stories as he falls asleep. Then my uh, ten or no eleven year old now daughter, she told stole my silky one. Okay, and then there's a pro which is on the on the screen. My mother in law is in town. Yeah, that one. And uh, London stole it for her. So I didn't even get to take it to Las Vegas. We're fighting over sleep masks over here. <laughs> that is hysterical. I had it in, in Vegas, and I had earplugs, by the way, because I was staying on Fremont Street right outside of the madness. So between the earplugs and the sleep mask, I had everything I possibly needed. Uh, the best part is for our Vault subscribers out there, if you use code VAULT10, that's V-A-U-L-T-1-0, You'll get 10% off your next purchase. All of that information can be found by clicking on the link that we have included in the description of this video below. Lots of great features. And if you're trying to enhance your sleep, uh, go check out our friends at Manta Sleep. Huge, huge, huge love for them for believing in what we're building. What else we got? All right. So hitting back to uh, this, this, this page here, I want to look at guys that could be um, extensions. Okay. Number okay. one, you could do OBJ again. Okay, but again, it would be a, probably a higher cap hit, but then you wouldn't worry about the dead money going forward. So if you end up resunning him, you could maybe do him. I see him more likely as being cut. Brandon Stevens is one that I would think you would want to get an extension done. Now his cap hit would probably go up, but that's more about future. And then um, I think uh, Patrick Ricard, he's somebody that you could do an extension and probably bring his cap hit down. 5.1 million to me is just too much for a fullback, especially inside of Todd Munkin's um, offense. So we love I you, Pat, like, but that's the truth. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. Oh, we love Pat, right? I mean, this is all fine, like financial only, right? That's what that's what we're talking about. And if they were to cut him, that's four million right there. 
So it'll be tricky to see what, what goes on with him. So to me, if you like him and love him, then you extend him and, and bring down his cap hit, but you got him long-term. Or if you like, um, his name is um, uh, Mason. Mason. Yeah, Ben Mason, who's been on the, it feels like he's been on the preg squad forever. If you like him, then you can just move on and have $4 million in cap, uh, cap savings. So that's one spot. Uh, two guys on this list that I just don't think you do anything with, uh, Justice Hill. He's $3 million. I feel like, you. did you call him a glue guy this year? Yes, I did. Yeah. I feel like the way he was able to, I love him as a number three guy. I think he needs to pick up his pass protection. That's what happened in that AFC championship game. But uh, he has some speed, not like Keaton Mitchell, but I feel like he'd be good to have on until Keaton's like back to 100%, uh, you know, special teams value, all of that. So I, I don't think that's too much, $3 million for for uh, Justice Hill. And then Patrick McCarry's on this list at $6.35 That sounds like a ton for backup, but we all know, I mean, Patrick basically played in every game, started in several Um Maybe you could think about a restructuring, but I restructure, but with so much follow, like who knows? Like I, we said, Morgan Moses, he could be cut, and then maybe you just make Patrick McCarry your right tackle. I don't, I don't know, but I see him. He's invaluable. Patrick he's invaluable. is invaluable. If there's somebody on this list from a depth perspective that that's invaluable, it's it's him. Yeah, he's proven that time and time again, which is why they gave him a deal. What was it? A year or two ago? At this point, it was right after the season. I think it was. I think it was either last year or the year prior, but but regardless, he has provided stability. He, it doesn't matter what he's asked to do up and down the line. He does it, and he does it above average. <laughs> right, right. Well, and so then that gets to the last two guys on this list, and it actually snowballs into a bigger list. Mark Andrews and Marlon and Marlon Humphrey are on this list. Mark Andrews is eleven point eight million, and excuse me, he's a sixteen point nine, basically seventeen million cap number and Marlon Humphrey is 22.9. Okay. Big hefty contracts. That being said, I don't see either one going anywhere. I know with the, the emergence of, of Isaiah likely, some people have said to trademark. I don't like that. I like keeping all pros. I like keeping pro bowlers and just keep stacking them and have as many. I want weapons for Lamar Jackson. However, I do think that they are restructure candidates when you if you do need a place to go find more money. And um, Brian McFarland talked about a few guys where you could restructure. Uh, the first and restructure, remember, is not saving any money you're just really kicking it down the road you might open some stuff up in 2024 but then you got to deal with it down the road lamar jackson is on that list you could if you you could restructure up to 11 million savings i don't see them doing that but these are just places that you could do it marlon humphrey you could save up to 8 million by restructuring marcus williams up to about 7 million with the restructure ronnie stanley 6.9 i do not want to restructure him i want a pay cut Mark Andrews, you can save up to 4.9 4 with the restructure. Roquan Smith up to 3.6, and then Justin Tucker 1.7. My guess is that they'd only want to like, you know, tap into like one or two of these places um, and and find more money through through cuts on the previous slide that we had. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. All right. Anything else? Well, I think we had one more slide in terms of the free agency side of things, right? Kevin yep. Zeitler and the Ravens, just to kind of, because we were on the road last week, there were some things that, that fell through the cracks. Um, and we'll get to more of those from a coaching staff perspective in, in a little bit. But the Ravens and Kevin Zeitler are currently in contract talks to keep him in Baltimore. That's according to Jeff Zarebeck of The Athletic. And there's a guy, Sarah, that since Marshall Yonda retired has completely stabilized the right guard position. Completely. Yeah, so I I, sorry, did you have something else there? No, no. Okay, so I think the overall kind of message here, look, going through all of that, is that even if the Ravens go, and, and they will, they're going to cut some people, it happens every year, even when the Ravens do that, and then you need to take care of Matt Abike, and you already have Lamar Jackson, you already have Roquan Smith, you've got Mark Andrews, you've got Ronnie Stanley, you've got all these things, even when they open up money, this is not going to be a... Uh, a big spending year. And I know that we say that almost every year and it's true. Almost every year, you might be able to do one big splash. And to be honest with you, I don't know that the Ravens need huge splashes on the free agent market. I think what they need is they're going to need I, Eric DaCosta is going to, he had a phenomenal off season last year. He hit every, I don't know that he missed one time with his free agent signings and he got Lamar done, OBJ, all of that. He's going to have to do that again. He's going to have to find Ronald Darby's of the world. He's going to have to find the Jadavian Clownies of the world and all these th- He's going to have to find those, find those bargains, and he's going to na- he's gonna have to nail the draft. And yep. I want more weapons for Lamar, and I want more protection for Lamar. And so when you are paying this much, and guess what? Patrick Mahomes, we, we mentioned it in our live stream yesterday. Patrick Mahomes... Has had the is the man who's had the largest cap hit and still won a Super Bowl. Okay, so the pressure is not going to just be on EDC. It's going to be on Lamar Jackson. It's going to be on these guys who have big cap hits because we're paying you to win. You know, it's gonna it's gonna prevent the Ravens from going out and getting huge huge signings. It's going to be kind of like the second wave of free agency. Retain Matabike and nail that draft. Well, let's get to the aforementioned reigning champions now two times because we know they've been underdogs a little bit this year and they don't like it. But here's the thing. They play really well when they are. So during his, his post oh, let, speech. Let me play it. I got it. Let me get it. Okay. I, you get, yeah, let me play it here. Yeah, sorry. but Run it up. Yep. Okay. Well, you were going to the slides. So I was like, let me, let me play them first so we can hear them both. So uh, in his post-game Super Bowl speech, they were. The Kansas City Chiefs were considered the underdogs in pretty much every game of the postseason. Uh, and here's what Patrick Mahomes had to say about you that. go on and win the championship. Being the underdog the last three games 
in the playoffs. Maybe a lesson learned for everybody else out there in the future. Yeah, just know that the Kansas City Chiefs are never underdogs. Just know that. <laughs> so there's one way to look at it. and we, Here's just one clip of Lamar Jackson when he was being asked about underdogs and, and people, you know, ch- picking against him. This is just one clip. He said this many times this year. Lamar, there's been very few games where so-called experts aren't picking you guys to win. Uh, you guys you guys embrace that. Including. So I want them to pick us. I like being an underdog, you know. Um, I don't know. I, like, we, I believe we play better when we're doubted and we're not, you know, people not choosing us to win the game. I feel like we play better all the time, so just do it all the way to February. <laughs> That's all I ask. <laughs> I love His reaction him. is hysterical. He's <laughs> yeah, just looking over. Him. Jerry asked the question, right? And he immediately goes, oh, no, 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 no. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Like, that's, we like it like that. And yeah. uh, historically, they have played pretty dang well as the underdog in Baltimore. There's no question about that. But, hey, to each his own. Mahomes more so making a statement about how Vegas and everybody else felt about them heading into the postseason. And uh, against all odds, so to speak, they put him to sleep. So, so you're saying to each zone, and that's definitely true. Um, at the same time, I-, I made this speech right before, or either right before or right after the Seattle Seahawks game. Being an underdog, unless maybe you're going up against Mahomes, is not a luxury the Ravens can have anymore. I know it's fun. And it's not just Lamar, it's everybody. But Lamar, so one one quarterback, Lamar, is saying, please doubt me. And the other quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, is pretty much saying, don't you dare doubt me. Please doubt me, don't you dare doubt me. And I think one is slightly more psychologically advantageous, okay? Because... Lamar literally said, we play better when we're doubted. But to go where the Ravens want to go, to go where Lamar Jackson wants to go, you're not going to be doubted all the time. And maybe that's where the Ravens press a little bit. Because the Ravens were expected to miss the Chief, to beat the Chiefs. They were. because and, and even the Chiefs said it. Chris Jones said it. They're the best team in football. And so I am referring to the Ravens. What's that? (laughs) Referring to the Ravens. Referring to the Ravens. Exactly. And so to me, if, when you say, don't you dare doubt me, when people doubt you, you still have that fuel. But then if they don't doubt you and they think you're the top dog, you're unafraid. You're unafraid. So I would like to see the Ravens personally and Lamar Jackson's his own man and he can do what he wants and everybody. And to, there's a, there's a, a, to a certain degree, you're right to each his own and you can find fuel in being the underdog, but you can find fuel in not, in not wanting to be the underdog also. Plus you're not pressed and you love to be the top dog. You're unafraid of it. I prefer the, don't you dare doubt me mentality. I prefer that. I would personally like to see Lamar and the Ravens adopt that because that's the only way, in my view, that you can go where you want to go, not just win one Super Bowl, but then follow it up and really take it to the Chiefs and don't let them become a di- dynasty. So to me, I think I would like to see them change change that mentality. I think they already are a dynasty. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I mean, up I to do. a certain point, I think three. some people would say up to a three-peat, but th- in a row. 
but winning three out of uh, the last, what, four? He's been here for six seasons. He's got three titles. Goodness gracious. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you can call it a dynasty, but whether it's a dynasty now or is about to be, the Ravens want to stop it. And I feel like they can't be afraid of expectations. You can't be afraid of expectations. You, uh, To me, you crumble when you are. You just can't be afraid of it in my view. I want to see this rematch. Opening night. Come on. Give, it, give me the rematch. Opening night of the 2024 season. We'll have to see. How about this? You referenced it in the <laughs> opening. You did in the intro. And uh, sometimes Twitter has a funny way of working out. I don't know. Certainly had no intention of this tweet blowing up for millions of impressions. But here you have it. The screenshot from the sideline exchange between Travis Kelsey and his head coach, Andy Reid. Travis caught him off guard a little bit balance-wise when he came up and had something to say about one of the previous plays and not really getting him as involved as he would have liked. And what did he do about it, Sarah? He nearly knocked his head coach over. (laughs) (laughs) So I quote tweeted on my plane ride back, midstream, back from Vegas, but Justin Tucker was in the wrong, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Give me a break. Look, look, uh, people, of course, my mentions are, I'm getting absolutely killed by Kansas City people. Obviously. And I'll, say, I'll just say this, obviously. I'll just say this. Got a tremendous amount of respect for Travis Kelsey and the Kansas City Chiefs. These guys are the undisputed back-to-back champions. There's no question about that. And they're a dynasty right now. And he's one of the, if not the greatest tight ends of all time. I do think he's a little bit of a bully. Do I think this has been overhyped a little bit, this exchange right here, based on the relationship that we now know a little bit about? They both downplayed it, of course, post-game. Did he lose? Did he cross a line here? I think so. I think he did cross a line, yeah. I think you can handle it better. But I think you learn a little bit when you listen to both sides post-game and you can understand the magnitude of the moment. While it doesn't excuse something like this, I do understand that this is the weight of the world. Millions and millions and millions are watching around the globe, and I understand what happens when you lose your temper in an instance the way he did here. Doesn't make it right, but I understand it. Yeah, I mean, under, understanding is one thing, but uh, becoming better is another. And I think that you can. I listen. When I watched it live, I didn't like it. I didn't like, and and I love. It's because I love Andy Reid. Listen, uh, he's he's the same faith as me. He's done events with me at my church, and he is. Such a great guy. Such a great, great guy. So I find myself being a little bit protective. And so when I saw that, I was like, you better get off. <laughs> you know, like, get off, get off Andy. So is it understandable? Yeah. But did it cross the line? I agree with you 100%. Uh, here's yeah. the only here's the only compliment I can give the Chiefs with, with that happening, despite it happening, is that when Marcus Peters did, did, and Marcus Peters didn't come close to, like, knocking over John Harbaugh, but uh, he did yell and scream at him. Ago. Yeah. And it seems like when the Ravens seem to be having meltdowns and that looked like a meltdown on, on TV, it seems like the, the Ravens, it like bothers their game. Whereas like with the Chiefs, it was like last week they got under the Ravens skin and the Ravens didn't play well. This time it was the Chiefs that like got off to a bad start. He's yelling and... 
all you can say is that it didn't hurt them. And one could argue that maybe it ended up being good because he was on the, on the uh, field more. So that, but I don't like it. I don't like that method. I do not. I, I always say, man, just keep it in house. I do not like watching teams fight each other in front of everybody. Again, the passions get there and whatever passions, but like, um, and it is funny. There's two different ways to react. Andy Reid made a joke about it and under and downplayed it. And Harbaugh clearly didn't like it. And, yes. and, and, and you know what though, that might say, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Like who knows, who knows, maybe, maybe like if you, if you and I said something on, on air, like we're do, that we're talking now and we said something in the heat of the moment, because we have a strong relationship off the show, I could get over it really easy. But if you and I didn't have a strong relationship and you said something, then it's harder to down downplay. So who knows if like there was a relationship already deteriorating between Marcus and John, but, um, and then they can blow it off. But uh, it just didn't seem like things were going well in that relationship. And, and he ended up not being with the Ravens after that season. So I'm just surprised. It's just as interesting. This team looks like they're having a meltdown, the Kansas City Chiefs, and they overcome it. The Ravens, and when it seemed like they were having a meltdown, it, it like deteriorated onto the field. And I'd like to see the Ravens overcome more uh, adversity. Yeah, no, the Chiefs were unbothered. I mean, look at the sideline exchange that happened between Mahomes and his receiver, Rasheed Rice, during the game, too. Like, they, they are... From within, they are built very soundly, and they don't allow these these tiffs, if you can call them that, mm -hmm. uh, to fold. They don't fold, right? You know, they they just don't fold. And um, I will say this too, based on one thing that Travis said in his in his press conference, it seems as if the way that those two handled it externally, downplaying it, may be different than the way that handled it, and 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 particular the way Andy chooses to handle this internally. And Travis talked about how he has let his emotions get the best of him. I actually, um, I, one of my former mentors in radio used to say, I need to have better emotional intelligence. I think Travis may be in that, may be in that same boat based on some comments. And he said that, that Andy has really helped him channel those mm -hmm. emotions. Well, clearly he stepped out of line here in a high pressure pivotal moment. And so I wonder if Andy, and Andy handles that different. Cool. Yeah. Yes, Andy played mm -hmm. it very cool as he did downplaying it post game, but maybe there's a learning opportunity that, that he chooses to handle away from the press. And if that's the case, I actually really admire that. Yeah, sure. I just I would want to make sure it doesn't happen again. I, I tell you what, if if like if one, if like me coaching, if one of my kids like I, I allow the the like the players for sure. Like I listen to them and they give thoughts on whatever, but. If they like lose their cool and like were to bump me, uh, to me it would be like you're on the bench, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that's then again, I mean, I I don't know. It is. It's impressive for sure. Andy Andy Reid handled it well. Because it's and it's disrespect. I mean, that's what it is. You're showing mm -hmm. up your coach, mm -hmm. and, and for him to, for for Travis to get up there at the mic post game and be like, "Oh, you guys caught that? Yeah, bro. You got 1,500 cameras on you throughout the entire." game of course so again he's making light of it he's, he's a super bowl champion in that moment and it's euphoric and all those things so we shouldn't necessarily judge every one of those what we'll well, 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 we will judge is moving forward whether or yeah. not he learns from that moment and so uh we'll, we'll have to see but yeah that tweet as has people calling me a lot of names uh, sticking up for my guy justin tucker because i did feel like that was a little bit of a bullying moment there from travis and i felt like it's kind of the same could be said couple weeks ago during the AFC title game. So you guys call me what you want, but we're having fun.
All right, coaching staff news that we may have missed or glossed over or maybe just we feel like warrants repeat. Uh, Bruce Feldman, college football reporter, he, he, said, he mentioned while we were out in Radio Row that Kansas defensive analyst, so Kansas college football, Mark DeLeon is expected to join the Ravens as linebackers coach. He'd be replacing Zach Orr. Uh, he's 36 years old. He'd been the inside linebackers coach with the Bears, Chiefs, and Lions, and also had been an assistant with the Jets. So it looks like the Ravens are poaching him from Kansas to replace Zach and work with Roquan and the guys. And then, as we mentioned on our live stream on Monday, but just in case you missed it, the Ravens are promoting pass game coordinator and secondary coach Chris Hewitt by adding the title of assistant head coach previously held by Anthony Weaver, who's now in Miami as the Dolphins' defensive coordinator. Hewitt, as we know, got a lot of attention this offseason, Sarah, like many did on Mike McDonald's staff, defensively speaking, and he's been with Baltimore since 2012. So good opportunity for Chris there. Great opportunity for Chris. He, um, well, he was one of the guys named that could potentially be a defensive coordinator, right? And so um, he was passed by here in Baltimore for uh, Zach, Zach Orr. And right. so uh, this is certainly a way to – you know, give him a pay raise him. for sure. <laughs> Get him a title bump, right? And um, hopefully, and then he can also help Zachary Orr. You know, with as he's like a first time, um, a first time play caller and all that. And so it's good to have a veteran guy like that around to be on to help support you on your staff. So. Um, Chris gets a little something out of it, and then the Ravens get you know a, a, a great mind on defense to stick around. What's this last slide you got for us? Oh, I just thought this was interesting. Um, Steve Berman, who covers the the Chargers, he he tweeted Jim Harbaugh just admitted. Uh, oh, to to Matt. How do you say is that name, Bobby? Matt. I think it's probably Mayoko. Mayoko. Okay, Matt Mayoko, that he's haunted by his decision not to give the ball to Frank Gore at the end of the Super Bowl against the Ravens. <laughs> maybe he said that before, but I hadn't heard it. I hadn't heard that. Maybe he has said it, but to be haunted. So I just had a few thoughts about this. Number one, I remember at the time being like, why aren't they giving it to Frank Gore? Like they went right at Jimmy Smith. It seemed like a few times with um, Crabtree and it didn't work. And they, it seemed like it was working on the ground. So like, number one, I remember even at the time being like, thank you. Number two, come on, Harbaugh brothers, quit, quit forgetting about your running backs, please. For real, for real. And so, anyway, I just thought it was funny. We're dealing with that with that right now in Baltimore, and now at the, at the exact same time, Jim's like, "Yep, I'm haunted by not giving it to my running back." I'm sure Pete Carroll feels similarly. He'd have another Super Bowl title under his belt had he handed off the beast mode against the Patriots you know as it. well. But uh, hey, that's the game. That's the name of the game, right? Kyle Shanahan's probably feeling similarly, maybe not in the rushing department, but some of his overtime decision-making and, and whatnot as the, as the coach and the play caller who has now, unfortunately for Kyle's sake, he has given up, I think, three 10-plus point leads. I think in, in, in three the Super, Super Bowl? Bowls, they haven't all been head coach. Yeah, in the Super Bowl. Thank you. In the as, Super as Bowl. As offensive coordinator and head coach combined. Right. And, mm -hmm. of course, the most notable one was when he was the OC in Atlanta when they <laughs> inexplicably lost to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So, 
officially off season. We always like to remind folks this time of year, as we have in the last few weeks, is that we are a daily show year round. We love that you're here. We hope that you'll stick with us throughout this, these next few weeks leading into free agency and the combine and uh, the draft, obviously not long after that. Do have some plans in place for what the draft could look like this year, but they are tentative. So be on the lookout for that. But just know we will be wall to wall that day, the last Thursday in April as usual. And please like this video if you enjoyed this specific piece of content. Subscribe to The Vault, not only right here on YouTube, but across all audio-only platforms if you haven't already done so. And uh, yeah, anything I missed? I don't think so. I'm looking forward to be being back on that East Coast right now. East Coast time. Little, little, uh, little out of sorts getting back from Vegas, but had a blast with you. And thanks for all your efforts over there, partner. It was a great yeah, job. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal time. And a huge thank you to our buddy, Jake Asman. If you guys like Jets content, and I think he does a lot of NFL content as well outside of that, go check him out on YouTube because he is the only reason. Seriously, he's the only reason we had access to Radio Row at Super Bowl 58. Hopefully that'll be different for our sake next year. Uh, but special special shout out to Jake because uh, great friend, fellow content creator, and somebody who uh, we admire. So appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for being with us. And a special thanks to Man to Sleep for sponsoring the channel.